Well, I must confess that I never ever thought I'd be in this position. But here I am. Uh, many others have gone before me. I'm thinking of uh, uh, our, our pastors, Pastor Chai and Pastor Ben, but many of the elders have, have been in this, this position. And, and Bob, Bob Abbott, where are you? you? You've been up here. So I ask your indulgence and, and prayers. And you might want to pray for yourselves too a little bit. So. But a few weeks ago, Actually, I guess it's probably about a month, hasn't it been? That you asked me if I would officiate at this, this worship service. And, uh, and for some reason I said yes. And, and then a couple of days later I said, what was Pastor Ben thinking when he asked me? To... But, but that's okay. But I agreed. Now we need a topic, I was thinking. But what topic? So the best thing to do if you're looking for something like that, turn to Scripture. Always turn to Scripture. I said to myself, what is it about Jesus' ministry on earth, Passion Week, and in particular, Maundy Thursday, that I could speak about tonight that would be relevant to us here? What, would, what could that possibly be? So when I looked at the Scripture, I uh, went to the Scriptures in the first passage I read from Luke 22, and the the uh, passage from John 13 and 14 that Hannah so nicely read for us. And contained in those passages were a couple of key words that were, were repeated, but one in particular stood out to me. That was the word prepare. And we just got up from the table downstairs. Can you imagine what that dinner would have been like if, if no one prepared any food for it? Or if perhaps I just said, okay, I'll, I'll speak tonight and then didn't do anything to prepare? Or if Pastor Ben never prepared for his, his messages that he offered, uh, offers on a uh, weekly basis every Sunday? So preparation is really important. So if I thought, well, I'll talk about that. The other thing I thought I would talk about is the, uh, the new commandment. Because after all, this is Maundy Thursday. So um, I thought I would talk about that too. Oh, and one other thing, I listened to Pastor's sermon from Sunday a couple of times this week already. So uh, that was very helpful to me in uh, the, the final preparation. Now, a long time ago, when I was a teenager, a man who was a friend of my dad's and a mentor to me and others, and he was also the son... Uh, Sunday school superintendent. His name was Mr. Moody. And uh, if you know about the Bible things, Moody is a pretty famous name, but he wasn't related to that Mr. Moody. But anyway, Mr. Moody called me over to him one day at Sunday school, and he said, Alan, I want you to go into ministry. Me? Yes, he said. And uh, so uh, at the time, I was wrapped up in science and technology. Uh, it would have been proper to call me a nerd of science and technology and electronics. And I nearly killed myself with a Jacob's Ladder I built and a few other things. But uh, 
But ministry? No, that's, I don't think that's my thing. So, I just went ahead and pursued my regular courses, and I didn't think another thing of it. A little while later, he came to me again, and he said, have you thought about ministry yet? Uh, yeah, Mr. Moody, I don't, I don't think that's for me. Well, here's what I want you to do. When the elective comes up at, at high school, I want you to take a course in public speaking because you're going to use it someday. Who knew it would be four or five decades later that I would, I would have to use it? Because I'll guarantee you, in my other church, I didn't do this. I was a little scared. But for some reason, your loving faces made it easy for me. And I'm just so happy for you all. But still, God had plans for me. Even in my chosen field of medical technology and, and uh, assembly work and electronics and science and, and to combine all those things together, I, uh, I liked those things. And they were, they were my thing. They were my thing. And I especially like the clinical engineering career that I had because I could use my gifts and skills in technology and science to help people with my hospital work. And God prepared me for those things. He gave me this, the skills and the gifts that I needed to be successful. And that was at a time before we had uh, college degrees available and college courses for that field. So we were pioneers in it. And I'm, we're in, in the 1970s at this point. Many of you weren't, probably weren't born, but that's okay. But God did have plans for me later on with ministry. And uh, I think that was probably here. Now today is Maundy Thursday. I don't have to tell you that. You know. The term Maundy that, we, uh, that appears in the, in the definition of today comes from an old English word that is derived from the Latin word mandatum. Is there any Latin scholars here? Did I pronounce that correctly? Brett? Hmm? That's good. But mandatum means command or commandment. Now, if you take another Latin word and put it right in front of... Front? Behind. Either way, with that word, you end up with uh, mandatum novum, I think it is. You get the Latin for new commandment. Well, that's what appears here in the scripture text that uh, uh, Hannah read for us. So I just uh, thank her for doing that again. That was very good. So, uh, of course, when John wrote those, he was, they were written in Greek. So I don't know what the Greek translation is for new commandment, but John said this in, in chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You, are, you also are to love one another. So with this issuing of the new commandment, the Lord explains the significance of his actions of the washing of the disciples' feet that evening in the upper room on Monday, Thursday. That is the love of the, that the Lord demonstrated that he had for them, his, his apostles. But the new commandment wasn't the only thing Jesus said at that same time. Prior to the Lord issuing the new commandment, 
Recall that he and the disciples had gathered in the upper room for the Passover meal where Jesus announced his pending betrayal and instituted the Lord's Supper, which we too will celebrate shortly after we uh, are through with worship. That, and we will celebrate it. After the meal, they all went out to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Jesus continued to speak with his disciples. And what was he doing? He was teaching them and revealing to them what was about to happen. This was part of their preparation. Because if you remember from, from the sermon on Sunday, Pastor Ben was talking about a few concepts. It was, uh, uh, he talked about ministry, he talked about methods, and he talked about message. And in that, those three things, we find the, uh, the preparation that is necessary for Jesus to prepare his disciples for ministry, which is service. And when we go to turn to God's word, we find that same thing that prepares us for service. And every single one of us in this room are called to service. So that's important. But all of this and everything that occurred during Christ's entire ministry had a purpose to reveal the true gospel message to the world and prepare those whom the Lord has chosen to spread it. The Great Commission tells us, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. It was the, the apostles' turn now. They had been prepared throughout the three years of Jesus' ministry. And we know, because we have God's word and the rest of the story, that Jesus was about to return to his throne in heaven after the resurrection, 40 days afterwards. And then 10 days following that, Pentecost would come and the Holy Spirit would come as a helper for the apostles in their job when it was their turn to share the gospel. But the, and so the apostles, guided by the Holy Spirit, would then take over. It was by the Lord's example for the disciples and for us that this preparation, this preparation for ministry and service was administered. The apostles and we are being prepared for ministry and service. God's word, the Holy Spirit, the examples set for us by Jesus and the saints who have gone before are our guideposts, but particularly God's word and the Holy Spirit. We are to love one another. This is the way we are supposed to, to share the gospel. We are to love one another just as, as Christ loved us. That's another one of the examples that he set for us. So all, all we have to do is go to the Lord Jesus for our example. Paul said the same thing, remember? Paul said that uh, since he emulated Christ, then we should emulate him, and, and thereby we are emulating Christ as well. So on, 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 this, on Monday, Thursday, and as the celebration... Oh, one more thing. Um, God's plan of salvation. That was a working of preparation as well of the saints for ministry and service. From the patriarchs on, uh, even Moses, when, he, when, they sent, when uh, God had him go to Midian after he killed the Egyptian soldier, that was a place of preparation too for him to return and be able to lead God's people out of Egypt. But from the patriarchs to the kings of Israel, 
the prophets and others, God has been preparing his people for service and then the spread of the gospel message. And ultimately, that preparation leads to what? It leads to living in, in eternity with God. So we're, we're being prepared. Now, lest you think that we can do any preparation, not by ourselves, we're not capable. Humans are, need to rely on the Lord God for preparation. So we can turn to him in prayer and ask for him to help us to prepare. On Monday, Thursday, we find the apostles. They had been with Jesus during the three years of his ministry on earth. And they had learned from him by his example. The Lord was preparing them for ministry and service. But exactly how did Christ prepare them? I've said it a couple times already. It's by his example and by his teaching and by his preaching. His ministry, his method, and his message. All those things. I'm, I shamelessly stole those from uh, Pastor Ben's sermon from, from Sunday, but that's okay. I, I hear that it wasn't his material anyway, so we'll see. <laughs> anyway, uh, but, but thinking back to his sermon, though, those, those three key words, ministry, methods, and message. The first way was by his example. The Lord's example was all important here. He taught them the necessity of being a servant in their ministry. Ministry itself is all about serving. The Lord did so by example. Now note that Christ, in the new commandment, added after it, after he gave the new commandment, exactly how we are to love one another. How was that, remember? We are to love one another according to the example set by Jesus Christ. Just as I have loved you, he said. This is the manner in which the Lord taught, by example. He also taught in parables, of course, but uh, there, his, his entire teaching was for us and for our benefit as we read through Scripture to prepare us for ministry and ultimately to be with him in eternity. An example of this love that we find appears in 1 Corinthians 13, famous chapter, the love chapter, where Paul described the love of Christ. He said in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. That's what he said. Now, if we truly follow the example of Christ in love, then we, including especially me, should be able to put the word I in front of each of the examples from 1 Corinthians 13. And this is what it would read like. I am patient. I am kind. I do not envy. I do not boast. I am not proud. I am not rude. I am not self-seeking. I am not easily angered. I keep no record of wrongs. 
I do not delight in evil, but rejoice with righteousness and truth. I always protect, always trust, always persevere. I never fail. I love like Jesus loved. That's the, uh, the new commandment. The apostles had been prepared for ministry by the Lord Jesus himself. The apostles' preparation would take them to this week, Passion Week, and their final lesson to prepare them for what would take place when they took their turn in ministry. That would be the job that they would be given to establish the church and, sp and begin the spread of the gospel. The final night with the Lord would help, but I'm sure that the apostles were not fully prepared for what they would witness with the betrayal, the trials, the suffering, and finally the crucifixion of our Lord. So the, the question comes to mind, how do the events of this night, Monday, Thursday, prepare us? We too, by Christ's example, are taught to love one another. And we do, and I, and I see it evident here. This is the reason why Lynn and I are attending this church, because it was so apparent when we first came here that we saw the, the, the love that all of you had for one another. And that still persists today. And, and I'm so thankful to be a part of this this body. But we are taught of Christ's steadfast love for the church, and we are commanded to emulate that love. And we should. To help us, the Lord on that night promised the Holy Spirit would come as our helper. And we certainly do need that help. I know I do. I'm, maybe I'm not speaking for you, but I, I certainly need the help of the Holy Spirit every single day. Later that evening, the apostles would look on as the Lord Jesus prayed at Gethsemane, praying for himself, his disciples, and all believers to come. And those all believers that would come, that's us. So Jesus prayed for us that night in the garden. Jesus' high priestly prayer is recorded for us in John 17. This prayer is an act of love that Jesus did for his disciples in the church. It is an intercessory prayer on behalf of each one of us, demonstrating Christ's steadfast love for his church. At the beginning of Christ's high priestly prayer, as he spoke to his Father, the Lord Jesus said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So if we examine Christ's words here, what we see here are a direct communication between two members of the Godhead, between the Son and the Father. Well, there's another example for us. The example of Christ's prayer is a preparation for us using Christ's example that we are to go to God in prayer directly. Now, we're, we're praying through the Lord Jesus. 
and he's cleaning up our prayers for us and helping us. The Holy Spirit that dwells within us helps us also to pray. But we've been prepared to do that, and we're encouraged. In fact, we're commanded to pray. Christ continued to prepare them and us for our relationship through him as the church, the body of Christ. He is our intercessor with the Father. He is the one who provides the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. And Hannah read that, uh, that passage. That's one of the reasons why I chose that. Gordon, I know that's one of your favorite uh, passages too, and you, you used it Wednesday night. Now, speaking of Wednesday night, that's prayer night. And I think Don Friel will agree with me that we would love to have your presence with us on prayer night. Every Wednesday night to pray together in corporate prayer. So I urge you, uh, 7 o'clock, join us either in the sanctuary or via Zoom. The link is on the, each uh, email that's sent out every Wednesday earlier in the day if you want to join by Zoom or if you want to come here in the sanctuary. That's, that's great, but a prayer is necessary for us to communicate to, to God. There's another right of, of preparation that remains. We alluded to it earlier. The disciples were about to witness two trials, a conviction, and I might add that this was an illegal conviction and of an innocent man, and the crucifixion and death of the Lord Jesus that night and the next day. Would the apostles be prepared for what they would experience? I really cannot see how they could have possibly been prepared for what they were about to witness. It just uh, boggles the mind that they would be ready for that. How could they be really ready for what would soon take place? Following the crucifixion and removal of the body to the tomb, we don't read very much in Scripture about the activities of the disciples. There is very little. Luke's Gospel tells us the most in Luke 23, verses 44 to 56. Following the, the uh, crucifixion, it reads this. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. And he was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women 
who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandment. So according to the scripture here I just read, that these witnesses to Jesus' execution returned to their homes mourning over this miscarriage of justice. Anyone fully aware of the events knew that Jesus did not deserve to die. He was innocent of every wrongdoing. On one hand, the chief priest's envy, Judas's greed, and Pilate's cowardice led to Christ's execution. But on the other hand, Jesus had to die to pay the penalty for humankind and our sins. Those who believed Jesus to be the Messiah watched in stunned horror and silence. The prophet from Galilee was dead. The apostles were certainly among this crowd. I doubt they were prepared for this. But what happened to them? What happened to all the apostles? They had been being prepared for it to take over and to spread the gospel and assume their role now. They were next in line to bring the gospel message to the world. And of course, those they taught, taught others, who taught others, and that they were successful proves, the proof is in the fact that we're here tonight worshiping God and giving thanks for the great God that, that uh, saved us too. They were being prepared for the time such as was given them. And now, in these final days with the Lord, at, after his resurrection, we find out just how well they were prepared in the next 50 days following the resurrection. During that time, with the risen Lord, they would complete their preparation for their important task. And that was that, uh, to establish the church. Jesus instructed them to remain in Jerusalem and study the scriptures. Certainly, after this period of study, their eyes would have been opened further, and perhaps they understood a little bit better what had just happened. We are blessed, though, with all of God's word. We have the, the full Bible for us, and we can study and, and learn from it. That's how we learn, and that's how we are prepared. We have everything. We are blessed with all of God's word. But the question arises, are we prepared? Are we prepared to go out daily and, and, and uh, bring others to Christ and, and share the gospel? Are we prepared for all these things? I pray that this night, as we prepare ourselves to meet the Lord Jesus at the Lord's table, that we too will be prepared to be obedient and to love one another just as Christ loved us. And that we would go and make disciples just as the Lord commanded. It's also important to note that uh, one particular note for us here at Windsor. We look in the areas of this, this building where there are classrooms and the academy meets and the preschool meets. And we have this new beautiful wing out back here where the, uh, the academy will soon uh, take up residence. 
And we also note that here in our worship services, and as I look around and I see the children here, and I'm really overjoyed that, I, that the children are here too, so that in our intergenerational worship, and particularly our preschool and academy, an important aspect of preparation is taking place here every day. Every school day, every day of worship is, is a time of preparation for these young people. Proverbs 22, 6 tells us to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn away from it. By teaching the full truth of the gospel message from this pulpit, in Sunday school, and in our schools, and Bible studies, and having children in worship, they too are being prepared for future service and ministry. Remember when I was a teenager? It started with me way back then. In fact, it started when I was a, a child younger than, than some of those here. I remember her name, Mrs. Tryons, and she was my Sunday school teacher. And as we learned the Bible stories from flannel graphs, remember those? Uh, but as we learned the, the Bible stories from those, we were being prepared to, for ministry, to, to learn what the Word of God had to say. And if nothing else, it got us used to reading the Word of God. I still have my King James Bible that I was given when I was nine years old in Sunday school. And uh, although I don't read the King James that often much anymore, but I still cherish that as the, the start of something good in my life. So are, are we? Are we prepared for ministry and service? Are we really prepared to share the, share the gospel? Do we? If there's any doubt, we have but one thing to do. Ask God. Ask God to complete your preparation. Let's pray.